Welcome to Let's Talk, Ed and Zahi. We are going to be talking about on-demand learning uh, in this week's series. And I think probably to start off, when we talk about online learning, we want, or uh, when we talk about on-demand learning, rather, uh, where you start saying on and online just comes right out. Uh, when we talk about on-demand learning, let's talk about why uh, that is such an important thing for colleges and universities to be thinking about. Hey, uh, excellent question. So if we think about uh, everything we've talked about so far, the increase in the percentage of our student population that is non-traditional students, the competition with the with all of the private for profit, with the different and new modalities of instruction, including the MOOCs, the massive online uh, open courses, or uh, any number of different uh, such models whereby you can access the education anytime you want and from any place you want. Of course, it behooves us in, in uh, public higher education and in, in private nonprofit to think about what we're trying to achieve. We talked in the past about competency-based education. We talked about the length of the, of the term. But those, when they come together, offer you opportunities to provide on-demand learning opportunities for the students. One of them being the online, your, your, your slip of the tongue there, but it's not necessarily the sole way of it. And coupled with the learning, we need to think about the support for that learner that could be in time in an on-demand fashion. Well, and again, something that we've talked about many, many times is, you know, with, with on-demand on learning, what you're talking about, again, is trying to meet the student where they're at um, and, and trying to accommodate as much as you can for the student. Um, you know, there, there was a time when, yeah, everything, you know, having all of your classes between eight and two o'clock was, was just fine. Uh, and, and if you're a residential campus, you know, it's not surprising that a, a schedule is set up that way. But again, as we're talking about bringing in non-traditional learners, as we're talking about people that are trying to balance college education with a full-time job, uh, taking a class at nine o'clock in the morning may not work. So, you know, finding a way to fit their schedule, um, you know, it may be an online class. It may not be an online class. It may be, uh, finding a way to, you know, build a semester that is four weeks long instead of 16 weeks long. It's finding ways to drop somebody into that semester, uh, you know, partway through because you have different schedules set up instead of turning them away and saying, you know, well, you'll need to come back in September when our fall semester starts, or you'll need to come back in January when that spring semester starts. Yes. We heard from uh, Dr. Kiddo from Northland uh, uh, Community and Technical College uh, that they're trying to bring down the credit level to sometimes a quarter or half a credit. And those things resemble competency-based education. So then uh, you, 
even if you have a term that is 16 weeks, assuming, if you know and could challenge X percentage, you can start when, when your gap uh, of knowledge starts. But better would be if we can have varying length terms and, and this is where working across between academic and student services is critical because we need to figure out the uh, registration and enrollment, the financial aid, and all of those things. So the idea of silo amongst the various groups within colleges, which we hear a lot about and we've witnessed it, should be demolished because this is an opportunity for us to meet the student. Technology plays also a huge role in it. You know, uh, gone are the days where you just put your presentation uh, in your uh, learning management system and voila, that's a on-demand available asynchronous online uh, class. That's not good enough. Yeah. And, you know, all of those things, I think, you know, and, and we're going to talk a little bit more about, you know, how do we make sure the services are available? How do we make sure that, um, you know, students are able to get in touch with people when they need to? Uh, and, and also, what what are the things that we're doing to make these classes more engaging? Um you know, a reality with on-demand learning is, you know, it's really easy to just make everything on-demand online. Uh, and, you know, if you want to take a class at three o'clock in the morning, you can take a class at three o'clock in the morning, which, you know, most places are never, ever, ever going to have a schedule that teaches that in person. But it goes beyond that. And I think that's a really important you know, point to put in there. Uh, but it's, it's also the support services that go with that. Um, you know, if you are talking about that, you know, somewhat non-traditional schedule, what are you doing throughout the rest of your college to make sure that students that are taking classes like this have access to the services that they need? Excellent point and excellent set of questions. Additionally, uh, when we are talking about uh, the learning, one of, one of the things with HyFlex, HyFlex being a polysynchronous approach whereby the class is being taught in person with high-quality camera, high-quality presentation, integrating the students, uh, and your recording, which is its own ball of wax uh, when it comes to contracts and conversations with faculty about their evaluations and what we're doing. But one of the things I learned in implementations is that very quickly you, uh, you go from the first day when you have a class full of students to people showing up remote but live. And invariably, when you look at the, at the uh, access information, students go back again and again and re-watch those uh, uh, lectures, those interactions that the faculty has created in her and his classroom. Those are critical. In addition to the fact 
that they are very helpful for students with differing abilities. Uh, and, and so it's a, it's a, it's, those are best practices that allow a more successful on-demand type support that are embedded. It doesn't cost you any more. You're not opening additional sections. You're making the information available. Moreover, short vignettes by the faculty that explains particular segments that could be harder to understand, showing them how to resolve an equation or how to draw something on top of those recordings of the lectures are exceedingly helpful to the students. And, and from my experiences, when you look at the back end for, in terms of the utilization, you see that they're very heavily utilized and they enhance the learning. They enhance the access as well. Yeah, just the idea that, you know, if I'm taking some sort of a, a math class, for instance, and we've gone over something that I didn't understand in class that day, and I'm, I'm home and I'm working on the homework, and, you know, it's later in the evening, you know, now I don't have to wait until the next time I have class or, uh, you know, the next time the instructor has office hours to try and find something out and, and get to understand that. So all of that is is really important stuff. So we are talking about on-demand learning on Let's Talk Ed. We're going to talk a little bit more about uh, somewhat of the online component to this. And we're also going to talk about how to make these classes more meaningful uh, to students as well, more engaging. So if you enjoy conversations like this, you're watching us on YouTube, be sure and subscribe to our channel, ring that bell down below so you get notifications when we post new content. And of course you can find Let's Talk Ed on all of your favorite podcasting platforms as well. So for Dr. Zahi Atala, I'm Chris Ford. We'll see you next time right here on Let's Talk Ed.